Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Antony Rossi. In this, our second year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. folks, and welcome back to Strength to be Human. This is your host, uh, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. This is going to be episode 166, The Mirror and the Window, A Discussion on Self. They mean to do this for a while. I know I say that, but it's true. Um, I wanted to talk about self uh, a great deal because it's an area for a lot of um artists that they, they seem to uh, fall astray of, uh, mainly because it's a difficult thing to balance. Uh, folks don't know or don't realize, maybe because of what they're told through tradition or what they're told through their culture or possibly even their religion, you know, that there are, there are certain boundaries or maybe there aren't certain boundaries in certain cases as an artist. So artists are always a different type of people that folks always fail to understand. I don't think uh, oftentimes throughout history, maybe even today, we're as well-liked uh, because we're not trusted, and we're not trusted mainly because we tend to be the mavericks. We tend to be the free thinkers. We tend to be people that you're not going to be able to control. That's why we're artists. If we're interested in being controlled, then we'd be politicians or followers of your religion or, or your cult or maybe even your culture. But we're not. We're artists. Now, I'm going to be uh, dividing up the show into three sections. Uh, first one's going to be called Solitude. It'll be about selfishness. And then the next one will be Attitude. That'll be about narcissism. Believe it or not, there's a difference. And then the third one will be about platitude, uh, trying to find a balance uh, between the selfishness and, 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 and normalcy as much as it, that's possible for an artist. All right? Now, there's going to be a lot of quotes in the show that help illustrate certain things for many artists around the world, so it's important for us to try to cling on to what we could find to be useful to ourselves. Not everything that the artists say is some absolute truth, okay? You're not going to find uh, a lot of absolutes on, on, a, on a show like this about self. I mean, we're going to get closer to some answers, but ultimately, uh, the truth that you may find from the show is the decisions that you've made yourself on what you want to do to be a, as an artist. That's going to be your truth. It won't be the same for everyone because we all have different boundaries, possibly even different goals. Of course, we're different people trying to say different things. But let's start off with some, some quotes that I find interesting. They're about art in general, and they contain some of the things we want to talk about on this show. Okay? All right, first one. If only people knew how hard, hard I work to gain my mastery... It wouldn't seem so wonderful at all. That was from Michelangelo. So an unusual thing from somebody that was a master. But, you know, like anything else, uh, you know, he uh, spent an enormous amount of work. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. He spent, I think, six years on his back on um, uh, a pulley 
that pulled him up on a, a long piece of wood so that he could paint the Sistine Chapel. And, of course, it gave him a lifetime of back problems. So um, I think when he's talking about work, uh, he, he wasn't kidding. And once you see someone doing that all day and then being in pain for the rest of the evening, uh, it certainly doesn't seem like art anymore. All right. A work of art which did not begin in emotion is not art. That's from Paul Cezanne. Uh, remember, not all of these are absolute statements. Uh, Paul Cezanne, a, a genius artist, but uh, to me, a bunch of bullcrap, okay? Because you can do plenty of art from an intellectual basis. You, know, you can also do art just from uh, from the unseen out there. You, you might even be spiritually uh, you know, uh, motivated to do a piece of art, and none of that, both intellect or spirituality, really has anything to do with emotion, and still art can be derived from it, so... You know, that was maybe his truth, but it doesn't have to be all of ours. And it definitely doesn't stand the test of complete truth in my book. Something is always born of excess. Great art was born of great terrors, great loneliness, great inhibitions and instabilities, and it always balances them. That's a nice nin. Uh, pretty closer to the, to the truth that we want to get on the show with that statement that definitely... Uh, Gives us a lot to think about and a lot to uh, to seriously consider. And last one, one of my favorite uh, writers and, and favorite uh, thinkers. Don't think. Thinking is the enemy of creativity. It's self-conscious, and anything self-conscious is lousy. You can't try to do things. You simply must do things. Ray Bradbury. Almost sound like, like Yoda, huh? <laughs> but uh, that's the truth, though. You, you, I think the moment you try to do something, you are already being self-conscious, and then it's going to be crap, according to him. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. It's really just about just doing it and not thinking about it, because oftentimes that's what clutters up things. I mean, if you know anything about being in the military, one of the first things a drill sergeant says to you, and it doesn't make any sense at first until you realize it does a little later on, is stop trying to think about your cadence when you're marching, because then you screw it all up for everybody, including yourself. Just do it. Follow along with it. And then it flows. And then once it flows, it's like a language that your body recognizes and then, and then it pretty much memorizes. Sort of a lot like typing. You know, you don't really think about it. I mean, to this day, I, I type probably 75 words a minute. To this day, I couldn't even tell you half the freaking letters that my fingers are hitting. And I've been typing over, over 40 years. Easily. I don't even remember all the damn things. I really don't. Who the hell knows? It's just somehow my fingers, my mind knows. But I don't really know. I could, if you gave me a test, I couldn't pass it. But I could type the hell out of things. So this just shows you how interesting that can be. I don't know if you want to call it muscle memory or whatever the hell you want to call it. But there's something that uh, through uh, practice and rote um, and routine, uh, it, it kind of gets memorized in your system. No, no doubt about that. All right. So let's go on to the first part of this show. Remember, the show is called The Mirror and the Window, and it's mainly because uh, the mirror is when you're looking at yourself. And uh, we'll talk about that on and off and how that's good and how that's not good. Because like anything else, you need to have a balance. So much stuff in the mirror, and you know, you're getting ridiculous. And if you don't put enough in the mirror, you know, you're forgetting who you are. And that's not good either. And, of course, the window is the window that goes to the outside world, you know? Unless you're um, O. Henry and you get somebody paint a leaf for you so this way you don't die and you can recover from your illness. I always thought that was brilliant to change the outside world in that sort of way. Really, really a brilliant story, I'll tell you. All right. 
So first part, solitude. And we're going to talk about, you know, selflessness in a, in a temporary kind of way. All right. Now, when we talk about selfishness, it's not the selfishness that you hear from the world. Oh, they don't care about anybody. Oh, it's only about them. Blah, 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 blah. That, that's narcissism. That's not selfishness. Selfishness is what we're talking about here. And solitude is really a form of selfishness, but it's not a, 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 a negative one. It's not like your, your children are starving and you clock yourself in a, in a room for a few hours. You know, your, your wife's not bleeding to death out there. I mean, nobody's dying and losing electricity here, okay? Everything's good. So that kind of selfishness is what you should be practicing, that type of solitude where you're away from somebody, whether it's at a library, you know what I mean, or in, in a park bench someplace, or you know, in your car in a parking lot someplace, or, or it's just you're locked in your waiting room. Maybe the family went out for a day to do something and you want to stay behind to get something done. That's the kind of solitude I'm talking about. It's the kind of selfishness that is okay. It's what you should be practicing. It's what makes us quite different than most other people. Because for the most part, um, our, particularly uh, writing, it's a solitary uh, occupation or a solitary task, a solitary craft. I mean, I know there's some people that do, they combine stuff sometimes to write a story or a script or something like that. But a lot, a lot of that is really going on. And most of the times we're just doing it ourselves. So it's necessary for us to find out how to get that done. What the discipline would that be? Where to go? And, and to do this without guilt, without feeling that somehow you're missing out on something. Because you can't be a writer if you have those kind of feelings, in my opinion. You, you wind up hurting yourself and hurting what you're trying to do. I have some interesting quotes from some, some interesting artists, okay? The greater the artist, the greater the doubt. Perfect confidence is granted to the less talented as a consolation prize, as Robbie Hughes. Yeah, he's, he's a left right there, but I'm sure there's some, there's some truth to that. For most people who are not curious except about themselves, <laughs> as John Steinbeck. He's kind of talking about the, the people and generally are selfish. So he thinks it's kind of ironic that they call us selfish when they're pretty much a lot more selfish than we can ever be. Oh, at least we're writing about something interesting. All right. And this is a pretty deep uh, comment, maybe even a bit cynical. Lies don't end relationships. The truth does. That's from Shannon Adler. Quite interesting. All right. Almost every sinful action ever committed can be traced back to a selfish motive. It is a trait we hate in other people but justify in ourselves. Stephen Kendrick. This is from George Eliot. We just did a little show uh, on female gender and I had her in it. Selfish. A judgment readily passed by those who have never tested their own power of sacrifice. And that's a good point to make here. And I brought that up because when you are writing and you're all away from people and you're being detached from the world and from your family and your loved ones and whatever in some solitude whether it's a room or a car or you know a, a chapel or a, a library wherever it is a, a form of sacrifice because you're taking away time from other things to do this and it's what some people don't really understand it, it's some it's sometimes you get some weird envy or even jealousy going on Really, you get to do all that, and I'm over here doing this? These crazy kids, and da-da-da-da. Hey, we all have our crosses to bear, I guess, and that's mine. Uh, you doing that, that's yours. 
Otherwise, uh, adopt writing and uh, leave me alone. All right. Love is the most selfish of all the passions. Andre uh, Dumas, you know, from the Three Musketeers and all that. Quite true. And it's something to bring up to somebody if someone ever says something to you silly about, about selfishness, you know. Because if they love anybody, love anything, it's, that is a form of that. They just don't really understand that, you know. All right, there's another couple, and then we'll go on to the rest of the show here on um, part one, Solitude. It's not my job to make you happy. It's your job to learn that only those who quit selfishly seeking their own happiness to find it. Well, that's that's good, Rochelle Goodrich. And what they're pretty much saying is, is that, it, to me, it's very similar to Ray Bradbury. If you're self-conscious self -conscious about something, you're going to do crappy work. And it's the same thing with seeking your own happiness. If you're consciously doing that, then in a way, you are being selfish. And that kind of selfish is different than writing. Where he's pretty much saying, or this woman is pretty much saying, you know, if you just go about the things in your life that you want to get done, you're going to find happiness by itself. You don't need to go look for it. It'll find you. No man is more cheated than the selfish man. Henry Ward Beecher. And I really think that alludes to the fact that um, when you spend so much time doing everything for yourself, the truly selfish person, you know, you, you miss out on many other things in life and, and other people. Because you really can't have a, a healthy relationship with anybody if you're just totally selfish or you know, totally narcissistic. You can't. All right. And then one of my favorite quotes that are funny about this, it's not attributed to anyone. It's just one of those funny quotes. My fake plants died but I, because I did not pretend to water them. I always thought that was, uh, that was definitely uh, amusing. <laughs> now, it's important to understand that when you endeavor out to do what you're doing, it is a discipline. It is a time frame that you put it onto it. Nobody has an entire afternoon to write. Sometimes people do, but you don't get too many of those times in, in between everything else in life. If you do, that's wonderful. But, you know, it doesn't really mean anything in the end because, remember, you might not always physically feel or psychologically or emotionally feel you can write, especially if you've just scheduled an afternoon off and it takes two weeks to get there. And then you get there and go, oh, I'm just not with it. You know, go do some editing, do some other things, just write down some notes or something like that. You can still make the best out of that time. But it's important to understand that oftentimes for you to put aside the time, it means that that time is for you. I don't care if the world calls it selfish or not. There's nothing wrong with that. We all need that me time. Just like if you're in a long-time relationship, you need some date nights sometimes just to break things up. Otherwise, you're just stuck with so many duties, duties of the house and duties of the career and duties of the kids and duties of the kids' activities and duties of the school, uh, duties of feeding the cat and, you know, time it's over with, you look at your wife and you're like, I need to fall asleep now, bye. Not terribly romantic, is it? So, just like you need to have time for yourself and time for your relationship, uh, you, you need to have some time for the writing too. If you put it in that type of a category, if you put it with that kind of definition and, and, and trying to have other people understand, people will understand if you put it that way. You just have to be able to to pierce their, their stereotypes or, or their, their strange fears or illusions to it all. Because sometimes people just don't understand. If you think about it, if you're not a writer, 
it's kind of hard to, you know, to intellectualize. Yeah, they want to be in the room three hours alone to write. What the hell is that about? I mean, it, it, it probably is strange to hear somebody say that. And that's all right. Because you given some kind of real explanation of what is going on and why it's necessary, people will get that. You know? You got, you got hobbyists out there that, that they collect coins and they do stamps and they usually do those by themselves or they build little ships from little pieces of wood or, you know, you, you got the, um, I, I always find it uh, ironic, you, you got the runner out there, yeah, I got to do this solitarily. Uh, I'm going to be running out there for about two hours, you know, so you know, take care. And people write that off as, yeah, okay, that's good. But, you know, if I'm writing for two hours, I'm a selfish weirdo with intellectual problems. What the hell? See, so you need to be able to help what you do by normalizing or by mainstreaming with everything else that people do, too. So this way, they're not trying to put it in some crappy corner somewhere. They're not trying to ghettoize you know, your your pastime or your experience or, or what you're trying to do because they don't understand it or because they have weird prejudicial feelings from somebody that told them something 400 years ago, whatever. If you're able to do that, and you should be able to, you'll find your life a lot easier. You'll let people understand. Yeah, you're right. That is kind of dumb for me to think that way because you can always compare it to all these other things and say, really, those are okay, but this is not. I'm a, I'm a serial killer over here because I'm in the room trying to write. I don't want streaming kids and, and listen to you talk about, you know, the garbage all day. No. As long as you can do that, you'll be fine. You can call it what you want to call it. Uh, you can call it me time. You can call it your writing time. You can call it your personal space. You can call it your your, your, your moments of uh, illumination. You can call it your friggin' two hours of enlightenment. I don't know what the hell you want to call it. You don't have to call it anything. But in the end... That's really what it is, and it's really a time for you to be able to get some things done. It's also a time for you to protect, and that's what you're telling all these people about it, so they're not intruding or they're not trying to make you feel weird. It should never be done any, under any illusion of guilt. You should never be doing this with, oh, man, I really wish I was throwing that garbage out. The friggin' garbage can wait, okay? You know, And quite frankly, lots of things can wait, too. The wife can wait a few hours. What's the big deal? The kids can wait, too. You spend the whole damn day with them, one fashion or another. If you're not out there helping them with the homework or picking them up from school, dropping them off or going to their activities, this and that, you're already doing a whole day of that stuff. You, you can't have a little time to yourself. That's what you need to push back on because it's the only way you'll be able to get this done, I feel, in, in, in a, a, a conscious, free manner. So you don't have to be concerning, concerning yourself with you're doing something wrong. Or you're robbing somebody else's time. No, no, maybe you should turn it around. They're robbing your time if they're questioning what you're trying to do. Or they're trying to stop it or giving you a hard time. Make sure they don't do that. It's your time. Go do your thing. Okay? All right, let's go on to the next section here. That is attitude, section two. And that really is about narcissism. Now, like I mentioned to you before, it's okay to be selfish to block out the time that you need whether it's you know per day or every two days or once a week or a weekend or whatever the hell it is, okay? Because that is not only necessary for writing, it's also quite healthy for you and writing and creativity in general, all right? But remember, that's of a temporary nature, and, and it's of a controlled environment. It's not the same thing as narcissism where literally the children are starving. 
I don't care. I'm not going to go shopping to get some food until next week. I'm busy right now. That's kind of insane. And that kind of stuff is dangerous. And a lot of artists are guilty of that and cause all kinds of problems from themselves. Okay? All right. So here we go. Let's give a, a basic, a, a good a definition of uh, narcissism, okay? The narcissist. A narcissist is one who presents with a grandiose sense of self-importance, requires excessive admiration, lacks empathy. That's the key thing right there. They don't even care about anybody. That's how you know the difference between being a selfish person all right, and, and a narcissistic person. The selfish person still cares and still has a lot of things done already before they went off to their own time. The narcissist can't. They just don't have the empathy for that. It's really, really all about them, and so on. A narcissist diagnosed with a narcissistic personality disorder, MPD, is a result of a set of enduring patterns described in the Diagnostic Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders. So it's actually a mental disorder. Not just a, a creative one. All right. Let me be clear based on this description. All of us at specific times have an aspect of narcissism that is important to some aspects of survival. A tinge of narcissism could help one shoot for their personal or professional goals, whether the storm of failures that come with trying. It may inspire one to care just a little bit more about their public appearance or their creative efforts by taking people's complimentary with less significance. Good-hearted and even normal-functioning people, including the relevant artists, might have some narcissism at times and still maintain successful relationships with others. So I guess that there might be a few people that might have a, a little bit more of this than others, but they're not really fully a narcissism. They just they have this at times, okay? Now, uh, the relevant artist, that's you, that takes your time into doing some basic selfish, you know, time yourself to do your writing, is different than the narcissist artist. So they're, they're making a difference here. There are two differences between the relevant artist and the narcissist artist. A relevant artist will take people into consideration and will learn from others. A narcissist cannot be bothered. Instead, relationships of all kinds and a variety of situations are deeply impaired because of self-absorption. Narcissists generally suffer from being emotionally vulnerable and masked with deference that manifests into control, anger, manipulation, and lack of empathy. Narcissism is thrown around quite a bit clinically and in the social world where people use WebMD to diagnose themselves or others. May a sad truth be stated, to experience narcissism may be deeply painful and impacts many aspects of one's life in many ways that prevent normal functioning relationships to happen. So, as you can see over there, there's a there's definitely a huge difference because I think when you're a full-blown narcissist, you're lacking empathy. In many ways, you, you're almost becoming somebody that's less than human. It's only about you and nothing else. Like, a, like you're almost like some kind of flesh-covered robot where when you're just simply a selfish, relevant artist, you, you still care about all of those other things. In fact, you're still tending to them the best that you can. Okay? All right, here we go. All right. The quote captures the stereotype of highly creative people as self-aggrandizing, self-indulgent, and self-adorbed. According to some scholars, such displays of narcissism may be an inevitable by byproduct of creative talents. Because creative people spend a great deal of time alone, 
They're often absorbed in their work to the point of obsession and refuse to conform to social conventions. They appear to be narcissistic to others. In contrast, some researchers propose that narcissism directly contributes to creativity because narcissists are motivated to generate novel ideas as a way to stand out and draw attention to themselves. Now, similar to the show I did about, uh, you know, the link between creativity and mental illness, I'll say the same thing over here. Yeah, you, you might even uh, develop some form of this now and then uh, when you're really in a, in a muse of creating something. You might go past your time and it's necessary to finish the project. And so you might have a temporary phase of this on you. That's not the same thing as, you know, you doing it on a regular basis because that really is narcissism. And also it's not the same thing as, Man, it was just it's being narcissism. Me be totally selfish and crazy, and I could do some great art. It's not the same thing as well either, because these are not the people you want to be. Okay, that's not a healthy thing. It's actually a mental illness, and when you get to that point, it's often not easy to get back. So that's not something you're going to be wishing for. Okay. All right, and my uh, final uh, statement here on narcissism is this statement from Dr. Romani Joseph Suler. The emptiness of the art of narcissists often means that they are only focused on whatever is useful or interesting to them at the moment. If at that moment it is interesting for them to tell you they love you, they do. It's not really a long game to them. And when the next interesting issue comes up, they attend to that. The objectification of others, viewing other people as objects useful to their needs can also play a role. When you're the only thing in the room, or the most interesting thing in the room, then a narcissist's charisma and charm can leave you convinced that you are his everything. The problem with that is typically superficial regard. And that superficiality results in inconsistency, and emotions for the narcissistic person range from intense to detached on a regular basis. This fascination between the intensity and detachment can be observed in the narcissist's relationships with people, acquaintances, friends, family, partners, work, and experiences. A healthy relationship should feel like a safe harbor in your life. Life throws up enough curveballs in the shape of money problems, work issues, medical issues, household issues, even the weather. Sadly, a relationship with a narcissist can be one more source of chaos in your life rather than a place of comfort and consistency. No doubt. So don't become someone like that and do whatever you can to avoid people like that because you can't change their ways. All you can do is just kind of get them out of your orbit. Or like I know a few other people that deal with them and they deal with them on a very minimal basis because they understand exactly who these people are. They're like robotic creatures. And, and, and because everything's about them, it, it, there's a, a terrible darkness to them and, and a terrible loneliness. Art is already lonely enough. We don't need to be around people that just that want to make it into a religion. And that's really what narcissism is. It's the lonely, the, the religion of loneliness. That's that's what I would call it, okay? Now, the last one over here is platitude. I came up with that title because I couldn't come up with anything else to rhyme with uh, solitude and, and, and attitude. <laughs> yeah, I know, truth can suck sometimes. But... I liked it also because it really mentions about that a platitude is something that's overwarm statement and like that. So I do want to call the damn thing finding balance because that's what I'm trying to say. That's what this segment is about. But, you know, I didn't want to call it finding balance. What kind of horrible title is that? So I went with platitude. Now you understand my thinking. <laughs> I'm into the titles, okay? Now, 
is there a way to find balance? Uh, the short answer is no, there isn't. You're going to have times, and I, I've expressed this a number of times on the show, because I've always been cognizant of it. I know the life and, and the histories and biographies of many artists, and I don't want to be like some of those people. They just, they're not people I would want to be around. I mean, really. So I don't want to be somebody like that, which means that there's going to be days and, and, and you know, even weeks sometimes where I might not be able to put all I want to put into my writing or, or anything else because I got so much going on in the house with the kids, the wife, family, animals, you know. Hell, I think in the last couple of months, you know, between the fostering, the parenting of the kittens, we had one that unfortunately had died as as we did everything for, another one that came close, but she rebounded, thank God. And, and of course, the, the dog being sick, it, it ate something that started messing with its liver, and I had to get it some liver medicine, and uh, that was a pain in the butt or a pain in the liver. <laughs> you know, all of that. It, it, it you know, it takes a it takes a toll on your day. You know, of course, and I'm just like everybody else going through the zigzagging of COVID eighteen, COVID twenty, COVID eighty five, and wear a mask, don't wear a mask. You know. Put a put a put a gas mask on on deadly chemicals, but the most deadly virus in the world. Put on some piece of cloth. Looks like you just made it in an arts and craft shop. None of this stuff makes any damn sense. But I'm trying to do whatever like everybody else is trying to do, trying to figure out what the hell's going on. So that means that you're not always going to have the balance that everybody talks about, that even I can talk about. So when we talk about finding a balance, that's literally what it means. You're going to do whatever you can to find it with the understanding that you're not always going to find it. You're going to have some times when you do. You'll have some times where you have a perfect week. Everything goes right. Kid care, wife care, relationship care, house care, pet care, health care. And then you get onto your writing and everything worked out great. You're going to have plenty of times like that and you're going to have times that don't. So what you have to do is you have to learn like I've learned, it's if you want all of these things in your life, then you're going to have to roll with the punches of what's going to happen with that. Sometimes you can't dictate your schedule. Sometimes your schedule is going to dictate to you what's going to go on. And that's just how it is. You know, I've said to myself a long time ago, that's why I don't really have any regrets on a personal basis. I want all of these things. So therefore, I have to learn to deal with all these things. And not be upset or disappointed when something will interfere with my writing or, or etc. Because I want all these things. I want the relationship with my wife. I want the kids. I want to go to the activities and see what kind of crazy things they do. I want these, these nutball pets running around acting idiotic. <laughs> you know? And and I, and I want to be able to do all the creative stuff I'm doing. It's I'm more than just writing. You know, I'm doing the show. I, I have a, a journal. Small publishing company. So... Doing a number of things. So I can't be uh, exasperated with all the stuff that gets thrown at me because I want all those things. If I want all those things, well, then I have to learn to do whatever I can on a weekly and monthly basis to prioritize as much as I can I can do. Sometimes it's a, it's a success and sometimes it's not. You know, but I say to many of you, and I'll, and I'll say this in a harsh manner, just as a matter of fact manner. I have a much, much more fuller life than lots of people I talk to. If you can't figure out how to balance, you know, you have like an empty apartment in yourself <laughs> and a job. I, you got a lot of time, in my opinion, to get a lot done. And for you to not do so, well, that's something that you're going to have to work on. Because if I can do all of this stuff, 
and still get all this stuff done. And why can't you? It's really that simple. So it's about really just doing whatever you can to juggle and, and to make things happen. Remember we talked about on basic creativity on a number of the other, other shows. Even when you do have a lot of time, this doesn't mean that all that time is going to be in some super creative fashion. You're building something brand new. It could just be that, you know, you went through your notes and found some stuff to write further about. It went through some some of the things you wrote, and now you can get a rewrite then. I, I always find a rewriting to be intellectually, to me, more, more relaxing than just something doing from something from scratch, starting from a blank scratch paper or a blank screen or something. So you can still use time for that. You can use time to just put down notes of things you thought about, put them down there. All of those things are creative endeavors. They're all important. They all intersect. They all relate to each other, and they oftentimes they all, in one fashion or another, wind up in your creative work. So you can give them attention in that creative time. So it's not always about you under a pressure. You know, damn, I didn't write anything brand new today. I just got all this other stuff done. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. All right? You, you want to have a nice summer? Well, you need some spring cleaning, Okay. You want to make sure your attic doesn't go on fire? You might have to take some stuff out of there and throw the hell out, okay? You want to make sure your basement doesn't smell like a, a, a dead zombie? Well, yeah, you got to go clean it, you know, and drain out some water and all that. So I'm, I tell people now and now again, because I, I, I think that sometimes they listen to some of these quotes of the artists a little bit too carefully. I hear a lot of quotes from artists saying that, you know, the, 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 the artists are just children who've never put down their crayons. It, it, that sounds clever and cute, but no. <laughs> you know, artists are adults. And quite frankly, as adults, that's when you're going to do your best work. And guess what? Now that you're an adult, you're not a kid anymore. You don't have just a few things in your life, and that's it. You have a lot more complicated existence, right? You might have a you know, a job you got to go to. You might have to do a commute. You might have to be doing some schoolings. You might have some sort of relationship. You might have some, some volunteer work. You might have some religious duty. You have a number of things going on. So to me, uh, being an artist is not about being a kid. And uh, I think things are just uh, those, those corny phrases from people. I think some of the people say stuff like that as artists are people who probably never been married or have kids. Because maybe they can afford to be 40 years old and still act like a kid. That's great. You know, but I, I, I couldn't act like a kid and be an artist and get any of this stuff done. Because I wouldn't want to do that. I would just go with my emotions. Jeez, I really don't feel like doing the show today. I know it's been scheduled, but I don't feel like it. Guess what? That's what being an adult is all about. Doing things that you don't necessarily feel like doing. Doing things you might not want to do. That's right. And sometimes doing things that you have to do. Those are all the terribly boring definitions of being an adult. So being an artist in many ways is being an adult. And being in some fashions a, a, a responsible adult. I know those words like adult and responsibility. They don't supposed to go with creativity. We're all supposed to be a bunch of hippies with you know take showers and run around with you know no sandals on, smoke cigarettes, and you know pee in the backyard. Yeah, that sounds good for a Hollywood movie, but in real life, we got real things going on, and art is just one of those real things. So that's part of the whole playing around with the balance and, and juggling things. All right. It's necessary, it's important, but you can do it. All right, let's just do a quick recap of this episode, the mirror and the window, the mirror being what you look at a lot or not look at a lot, and, of course, the window. Now, in that title, 
there is some wisdom in that because remember, I tell people a lot of times, uh, maybe you should be taking yourself out of the mirror sometimes and looking out the window and vice versa. There is a balance over there. You can't spend too much time in it. But, you know, the funny thing is, is that I don't find, and this is ironic, I don't find too many people that are spending too much time in the mirror. Believe it or not, I don't really find lots of narcissists. A lot of people label that, but they just mislabel that because people get carried away with that term. What I find is a lot of people that are not selfish enough. They're not looking in the mirror enough. You know, the, the, the woman who listens to her boyfriend about her creativity instead of going about and do what's necessary, even if that means that maybe he's going to leave her. That's what being an artist is all about. you got to take that chance because... If you don't have somebody that has any kind of degree of support, that's really not somebody that should be in your life, okay? I, and I don't mean to instruct a woman on what to do with her life or with her body, but quite frankly, I'm not trying to sound too crude. There'll be 10,000 guys to tell you you're beautiful, okay? You're only going to find a couple that are going to say, you can write, go do this. Go spend a couple hours and, and go figure it out in that room over there, okay? So consider those things, please. I, I don't find there's enough people that look in the mirror to see how wonderful they are, see how smart they are, see how creative they are, see how much they are worth, because they're spending too much damn time listening to somebody else tell them what they're worth, you know? Damn, I thought it was worth a dollar fifty. This dude's saying I'm only worth 48 cents. Yeah, kick him in the nuts and go about your business, okay? All right? Because you're not worth 48 cents, all right? You're worth a dollar 48, that's right. And that's how you have to view things. So, part of if you want to call it being selfish on a temporary basis or, or, or just simply, you know, making time and room for yourself is making sure that you're going to have people around you, you know, that, that they're supportive, that, that care. Because if they don't, I, I'm telling you, you don't really need them in your life. They become a drag. They, they even start affecting your creativity. They affect your mood. They, they can even cause you some kind of a momentarily depression. You don't need any of that kind of crap. The world's already hard enough without inviting people in there to spit on you, you know? It's one thing to go to the world and it spits on you. It's another thing to say, open the window and say, world, come over here and spit on me. I can't wait. That's the problem, okay? All right, so and a little bit more time in the mirror, all right, and maybe a little less time getting spit out of the world at the window. That That's my advice anyway, because it worked for me. Okay. All right. So uh, we found out that selfishness, it, to a certain degree, is healthy. It's necessary. It's normal to the creative person, whether they're finding some time in the car someplace, or in a chapel, or a library, or some dark hallway somewhere, or, or their bedroom for an hour or two, or an office, or whatever. Go do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Next, narcissism, very bad. Don't want to ever go into that path over there because you start becoming less human. You become like a flesh-covered robot. Everything's all about you, 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 and you don't care about nobody else. That's a bad thing. It really is. I know that there's been some great art that have come out of something like that. Believe it or not, there has been. But it's not really a method to get that great art. And quite frankly, to me, it's just too much of a sacrifice. Somebody should not sacrifice their body or their soul to art. I don't care if that doesn't sound like an artistic statement or not. That's just my feelings on it. It's art. You can still do it in many other ways. You don't need to get carried away. And of course, the balance with the understanding that 
you're not always going to find it. So it's okay to look for it with the understanding that, you know, if you're looking at it on a mathematical basis, you know, maybe 75% of the time you'll find it, and the other 25% you're going to have to deal with it. it uh, the schedule is dictating to you, and you got to roll with it. That's just the way it has to be sometimes. But you're not always going to find it. You're not always going to get it. So you have to learn to live with the challenges that are being sent out to you, okay? They're not necessarily bad. Sometimes they're, they're, they're the better things, you know? I, I've had a number of times where I've had life intrude upon me, and then later on I'm like, I'm glad I did that because, you know, I didn't feel uh, totally inspired to go off and do this thing anyway. So I'm glad that something came and, and took my attention away for a while. So it's not always a negative, intrusive thing. Sometimes it can be the most positive thing. You just didn't realize it. And life can be good that way. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We do got some other wonderful things coming up over here. Let's talk about them uh, briefly. At the end of the month here, uh, the last episode for November will be Mailbag 6, The World Speaks. I have a lot of uh, emails from people from mostly around the world, so that's going to be interesting and fun. Then we're going to go on to uh, last month in December on the year that, I don't know, doesn't ever seem to end. would be nice when it does end. I'm hoping it ends in some kind of positive fashion, but kind of hard to tell the way things are going. <laughs> all right, so the beginning of December, we're going to be doing an episode called Writing During Political Imprisonment. We have all different writings from people who have been imprisoned for social causes and, and have them write some really inspiring stuff. So we'll be listening to Vakov and Pavel and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and there's a number of them, so it's going to be interesting. We're going to do a classic spotlight on Gene Roddenberry, the uh, creator of Star Trek, and that'll be fun. I'm doing another um, uh, writing series called Germinal Joust. I misspelled it on that um, thing I sent out, that schedule, so I'm going to redo that schedule in a different way and actually spell it correctly. So we're going to do on writing as priority, writing as passion, and writing as pledge, all the different reasons why we, we write on a, on a deeper basis. All right, we're going to do a, a, a challenge to, uh, to new creative uh, forms, poetic forms. That'll be fun. And then the, the last uh, show of the um, the year will be a, another classic spotlight, this one on Maya Angelou. Uh, what a good way to end the year with, with her wonderful and, and inspiring work. And a very interesting woman to boot. All right, folks, until next time, I wish you well. God bless you. Take care. Until the next episode. This is episode 166, The Mirror and the Window, a discussion on self. Good night. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.